before we get into the show, I just wanted to remind you about a sponsor of Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, beeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In the world of wrestling where there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads, don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all their tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever else, just drop them a line at 20by20apparel.com. That's 20x20apparel.com. And also look out for their limited edition enamel pens, and you might see them set up a gimmick table at a wrestling event near you. So once again, go to 20by20apparel.com. That's 20x20apparel.com. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check, but either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh, we fresh. Fresh, 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 fresh. fresh. goddammit, we fresh. Yo, welcome everybody to another episode of Fresh is the Word. This is episode 175. And on this episode, my guest is Alice Vaughn, co-host of the comedy podcast Two Girls, One Mike, The Porncast. And she's also the infamous creator of Offensive Crayons. And during this episode, we'll talk about how she started Two Girls, One Mike with her co-host Yvette Diantremont. And these are both women who aren't in the porn industry and have education in various sciences, and, but they have a mutual love of passing judgment on the many plot holes of hardcore porn. You know, they're like best friends, so you get this awesome chemistry betu- between them. And like they said, they're trying to bring funny back to comedy as they you know, help destroy society's perception and prejudice of adult films in a very playful way. You know, every episode is very funny, and they they also interview, you know, people from the porn industry, whether it's, you know, porn actresses and actors or directors, and they talk about things that are have progressed in porn, the obstacles and stigmas that they still are presented. Uh, then they also uh, go ahead and review porn movies and make fun of them in a playful way, and with offensive crayons, we also talk about how that got started. You know, this you know the sense of humor behind the uh, the adult only box of crayons that they uh, that she created, and how she got banned from Amazon. The reason I wanted to do this episode not only is because you know Alice is 
super funny and fun to talk to, and I love the podcast. But me, Kay Fresh, I'm, you know, fully behind sex work as work, and it should be treated as a real job and career without legislation targeting sex workers with laws that create unnecessary obstacles for them. And I also want to help remove the negative stigmas associated with anything in the sex industry. There's like so much legislation now, especially the FOSTA-SESTA legislation that's, uh, that targets the sex industry, but it also has these side effects too where it's, it's affecting the LGBTQ communities and other marginalized groups. It's targeting real sex education. You know, if you, there's, li- there's a link in the uh, show notes for this episode at FreshThePodcast.com where you can get more information on FOSTA. While, you know, Two Girls, One Mike is, you know, they're playfully poking fun at, you know, porn flicks, they're also providing a lot of good information about what what has, what needs to improve in the sex industry, in the porn industry, how the sex industry has innovated other and influenced other industries. You know, we talk a lot about that during this interview. So there's a lot of good information. It's, you know, a lot of dick jokes too. A lot of porn jokes during this episode. Alice is super funny and super fun to interview. Um, so I would definitely go check out Two Girls, One Mike, the porn cast. You know, streaming everywhere that, you know, podcasts are streamed. And... You know, like I said before, please go to the show notes at freshofthepodcast.com and there may be more information to where you can follow Alice Vaughn online and where you can listen to Two Girls, One Mike and where you can uh, check out uh, the Offensive Crayons. And right now, until a few days from now to when I post this, until September 1st, there is an Offensive Crayons color naming contest. And you really got to get... Your creative juice is flowing for that. And the winner will get $500 and get to name a, a color in her uh, upcoming porn sex-themed uh, offensive crayon box. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview with Alice Vaughn. I came, I came about uh, your podcast, uh, Two Girls, One Mike, the porncast recently through your publicist. So I gave it a listen, and I'm like, dude, I love these girls, and I love you know what they're talking about, how they're talking about it, and it's so funny. But you guys are still like, you know, talking about you know serious things, but being funny about it, you know, talking about the porn industry, the sex industry, stuff like that. But uh, kind of uh, you know, what was sort of like how did how did this uh, this podcast happen? What was the idea behind it? How did it happen? Yeah, so the genesis of the podcast, uh, my co-host likes a joke that it started with a bad Neil deGrasse Tyson joke. Uh, (laughs) So because she's a science communicator and she has this shtick about how Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, you know, you go to watch an action film and you're not there to criticize the sci-fi or the placement of the constellations. And yet... Neil will have an opinion. Uh, So we realized that we often, in our spare time, we're already providing commentary to porn, specifically the plots. No one was asking us for it. We were just doing it anyway. Uh, And we kind of always bounced around with an idea for a show, and it happened. Uh, So we thought, hey, someone has to be reviewing porn. No one was reviewing porn, so 
who better than us? Two women with science backgrounds, uh, with just dirty minds, like of twelve-year-old boys. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I love about it. When you, because uh, I, I just I listened to the last few uh, episodes. You, you reviewed the like the Terminator uh, uh, porn parody porn. Uh, that was super funny, and it was just like, oh, okay, this is nice to. It's nice to hear, you know, about in a fun way about porn, you know, from somebody that's like outside of porn, you know, that just watches it, you know, but like these days, there's also a lot of issues that the porn industry is fighting for that is the same issues that, you know, a lot of other, a lot of marginalized communities are fighting for, whether it's the LGBTQ community or people of color. You know, through your, you know, through everything that you've been doing, you know, sort of, you know, what's your uh, sort of perspective on that? So the porn industry has kind of led the way when it comes to a number of fronts, uh, definitely technology. I wouldn't be surprised if it's led the way. We were having a conversation last night with uh, Samantha Mack for an upcoming episode on how body diversity was predominantly led through porn and campsites. And I wouldn't be surprised if it started there and trickled onto the mainstream of what's defined as beauty. So it's not surprising to me that porn does influence a lot of these categories, but it also influences so much more and it influences legislation, influences how people are treated. Um, but no one's talking to these performers and we wanted to, uh, because Yvette and I are outsiders, we wanted to provide our listeners with a glimpse into, hey, here's what's going on behind the scenes. These are real people. They're helping get you off, but they're real people. <laughs> you know, is it still just like the stigma behind porn or why people won't give the porn industry credit for the these sort of things that they've kind of helped start or become progressive about? Oh, yeah. I mean... There's we have constant stigma when it comes to uh, porn. Uh, I mean, we can't even talk about masturbation. So <laughs> let alone get healthy sex education in school. So, right. yeah, we can't talk about porn uh, as a society. We have problems with it. And we want to shame people. Uh, and it's very frustrating because we're all consuming. It. And if you're you're saying you're not consuming it, you're just a liar. Talk more about your background as somebody who is uh, who is not from the porn industry. You know, you know where you know what's your education in? What's your sort of background? <laughs> so I have a double bachelor's. Um, I have a BS, uh, so a bachelor's of science, not just a BS degree, but uh, <laughs> but I have a physics degree as well as um, I have a marketing degree because I thought. Yeah, if the physics thing doesn't work out, I guess I'll lean on marketing and business. And that pretty much has been my story. Um, I actually run my own company called Offensive Crayons. Uh, yes, so yes. that's been really exciting. Yeah, I just uh, submitted a few uh, ideas for names to the, the contest that you're doing. Oh, awesome. <laughs> well Awesome and oh no! <laughs> yeah, because I was just listening to the the latest episode, and you're you you guys were talking about how unfunny people are when <laughs> when submitting uh, stuff for this contest. I'm so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's true. And look, it's not that I don't blame people for being not being comedy writers because that's not people's day jobs. Um, and frankly, it takes work and it's a lot of time and effort and you have to figure out what works, what doesn't, why a joke works. It's not easy. Right. But that said, I've gotten Bukaki and Cumshot White just submitted way too many times that people need to be shamed for. Yeah, those are kind of like obvious ones. Like, let's try harder. Yeah, try um, a little bit harder. You know, or or what? Or the other one that you uh, use an example. Period. Red. Like, come it's on. It's been since the beginning. Everybody <laughs> thought that I have a period red in the pack, and it's like, who's a, who does that offend? Right. Who? Mitch McConnell. Who? <laughs> right, right, right. How do, you know? How does your sort of uh, background sort of tie into what you do with the podcast or offensive crayons um it doesn't it doesn't um (laughs) (laughs) it ties in because you can tell i really don't take myself seriously um but uh what's nice is I, I don't take myself seriously but i do i uh i'm many of my friends will say that and I'm going to pat myself on the back for once and say that I'm a hard worker because I am. I have the energy of 12 golden, golden, uh, golden retrievers and I don't deny it. Uh, I'm jealous of that. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had more energy. But, um, so it ties in in the sense that, um, I can have fun. Uh, you know, we want to do a comedic spin. That's why, you know, we have a, comedy podcast and you know we list ourselves under the comedy interview section on itunes uh and we've been doing surprisingly rather well over time in both those sections uh but yeah so both yvette and i i mean she's definitely she's done some stand-up before um but we both you know don't take ourselves too seriously we feel that also that because of the type of content we're discussing i mean First off, it's porn and sex. There's going to be dick jokes involved. Oh, yeah. Um, But second (laughs) of all, we want to present the content to our audience in a a digestible way where you can listen to it, you can have fun, but you're actually learning something still. What have you sort of learned doing this podcast about porn and the sex industry in general? And how does, you know, what's the sort of perspective from a woman about it all? Um, so that is a big question. Right, it is. <laughs> There's so many angles I could take that. Um, <laughs> That's a porn joke right there. <laughs> well, yes. This is also why we started the podcast, because I can't not say something dirty. Right. What's amazing is I used to accidentally say dirty things and then people would say, Alice, phrasing, you know, just like an archer. Right. Um, and now it's, they're like, oh, well, it's because she's a porn podcaster. No, I've been doing this since I was young. Excuse me. I'm a seasoned professional. You're, you're, one, of those, you're, you're one of those women in real life when they say that's what she said. You're one of those in real life. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What I was uh, trying to go for with that question was, what 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 do you feel has maybe improved in the porn industry or the sex industry for women these days, if there's anything? Well, there definitely has been improvements. Um, so what's really nice are a handful of things. So number one, 
more content is being created that the performers want to create. Um, you, it used to be in the past, studios had all the control, um, and there were some pros and cons with that. The pros were there was a lot more money uh, involved in porn. Now you could kind of say the same thing, but it's a lot more spread out, and also people don't pay for their porn, which you should pay for your porn. We're telling you this right now if you're listening. Pay for your um, porn. Support the porn. Support the porn industry. Exactly, because they have the hardest job making you come. Yeah. But exactly. So the fact is, I mean, it, porn is like any other uh, industry, you know, whether it's art, whether it's music, if you're a musician, whether you're a comedian, a, a podcaster, you can do it all for free. Or you should also be paid for your time because like, you're any other individual who's working. But what's nice is co um, they can actually create content that they prefer and they want to put out and what's really nice is they can create content directly and interact with their fans so you know if i'm someone who maybe didn't like how an, uh, how a particular set was run or uh being in particular studios i now have the option of doing camming i have now the option of creating the type of um you know uh, content that i want to create for my viewers and have them pay me for that so that's why sites like um, Cam4 and Clips for Sale are just so popular right now. Um, in addition, I feel that what's really nice is consent culture is so much more prevalent within porn. Um, and I love that just because now people can actually discuss what they do and don't want to do on set. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've reviewed a handful of older porns, and when I say they're rapey, I'm not just saying that like because I want to throw the word around. I'm saying that because if you watch Debbie Does Dallas, it's fucking creepy, some of the scenes, and like a woman is describing, oh yeah, I left my last job because the manager was too handsy, followed by not even a millisecond later, the guy being, oh, well, I'm sure we could figure something out, grabs her tits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, all these women are 16, and they're announcing it in that porn, uh, which, by the way, you can't do nowadays. You have to be over 18 in porn, um, or at least portray the characters to be over 18 in any porn nowadays. Um, but they all, in Debbie Does Dallas, portray, say they're 16, and at one point, a 16-year-old, then, if you... She's not actually 16, this actress, but in the the character is 16 and having sex with the store manager who looks definitely to be in his 40s. Right. And it's such a weird scene that, I mean, you watch it, but because you know they were paid to do this job, but you can tell that the actors, if they had a choice, they definitely would be doing something else. So what's really nice is a lot of the porn that's produced nowadays um, – Think of it this way. If you're going to do a job or be involved in a project, would you rather, you know, like any other job, if, you know, would you rather enjoy what you're doing or not? And what's nice is if, especially when it comes to fucking, believe it or not, the content you produce is a lot better if you're enjoying yourself. <laughs> believe it assume, or not. <laughs> I would assume. I would assume that. Also, porn is way less sexy uh, than most people think it is. People just get to see the end content where they don't get to see all the horrific stuff or all the uncomfortable angles and positioning and the hot lamps and lights. And <laughs> there's 12 people in the room. There's a boom mic hanging over you. There's someone with a flashlight uh, shining at your clitoris. There, there's a lot going on. <laughs> when And you kind of already touched on this, but... 
you know, I come from uh, I come from like the music industry, the music scene background, and there definitely was a shift on how people, not only the music industry itself, but the artists themselves had to do business in the digital age. You know, these days, what is like, is there good ways for people to actually make money these days? Oh, there's plenty of ways for people to make money. It's just, it's so diversified that all the best porn stars or um, cam stars are dedicated and first off treated like a job because it is, that's number one. (laughs) Um, It's like when you just said to yourself, you're a musician, you know, you could be a hobbyist, you can, you know, play guitar on the side or, you know, just for fun, or you could treat it like a job and you have to do a lot more gigs. You have to do a lot more work. So really similar. I mean, there's everything from camming, uh, selling photos, uh, selling clothing. Um, there's creating custom clips. There's uh, doing uh, dancing, uh, you know, at clubs. There's appearances. There's sometimes they'll uh, they'll get fees uh, for you know if they get big enough, you know, for appearing on certain things. But unless you're really like a Stormy Daniels, you're not going to be paid that. Um, there's working on set. So there's a number of things you can do, but it's it's a hustle. It's a grind and you have to do it consistently and you have to put in the effort and, you know, to make the money. Yeah. <laughs> what, when, you know, in porn are so many, like, I guess you could say genres and subgenres of, of types of porn, you know, how does somebody stand out in porn? Do you think? Um, I would say consistency. Really, I know I just kind of said that before, um, but in all seriousness, there's an audience for everyone. There's no lack of people who are going to stop watching porn. <laughs> so let, let's start there. <laughs> um, but the average porn star um, or porn starlet, as I'll say, um, is really only in the industry for roughly about three months, and that's it. So the people that you see who are, you know, doing well, who are winning AVN awards, they're not there for three months. They're doing this for next, like, year, two, three, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. Nina Hartley's been doing it for, what, over 35 years now? I guess yeah, that's another thing that you guys were, you know, I guess mention all the time is that there's a lot of people that just come and go you know, sex joke right there, I guess, um, from the porn industry. <laughs> um, you know, what, what's, sort I of, don't what, judge your life. Yeah. What's sort of like the, uh, what's sort of like the idea about, you know, why so many will come in there, but then like leave, you know, how so many people's like porn career is so short. Um, it's a number of reasons. So number one, quick cash. Um, I mean, if you need the money and someone's offering you, Hey, could do is you know boy girl scene you could grab a thousand bucks why not um so there are a lot of people that's tempting um the challenge is uh a handful of things number one uh so the scene in for example in la versus in miami is very different um i don't know too much about the miami scene i've seen one documentary called hot girls wanted that kind of um 
gave an idea of the scene, or at least how there was this one predatory guy who seemed like uh, he was booking women for new scenes. And the way he was rotating them and treating the women without giving them business skills, without really equipping them with the right knowledge, and how he was treating performers on set, frankly, wasn't surprising that a lot of people were just going through a rotation. Um, it's a lot of people just don't have the right information at their disposal. And what's really nice is there's groups like APAC, the Adult Performers Activist Committee, um, who are trying to fix that, you know, trying to give performers more information so they can stick around longer so that way they have the right resources. Okay. But the problem is that if you're just in it for, you know, some quick cash and you want to get out and you're not treated well on set, and unfortunately there's still a number of shitty producers and directors, well, there's not really a place you can report that to. And I mean, unfortunately, police, you know, take sex crimes, especially amongst like sex workers uh, and porn stars to be like bottom of the pile. Like, hey, didn't you consent to that? They don't seem to understand how consent works. It's like, right. no, I'm just doing my job. Um, so it's not surprising that a lot of people will do it for a short amount of time and get out. Um, another challenge is that, um, well, it's not only, it's not necessarily what people want to do for the length of their career. Some people do want to do it for the length of their career, but the problem is also what porn can do to define you. Um, unfortunately, it's not porn that, ha uh, that people, that, when people get into the industry, a lot of times, if they, a lot of times that I've spoken of people, um, especially those that have been in the um, porn uh, game for a long time, they have great experiences. Uh, I would say wager that a lot of the people who just, you know, don't stay in for a long time, they just have shitty experiences. And that's really unfortunate. And we kind of have to just change that. It's just harder to do when, you know, certain areas don't take you as seriously. Again, like police and consent, which is, we have, it's like a self-patrolling thing that almost has to happen. Yeah. Um, so that's really frustrating. Um, but it's also how you're treated once you get out. So, for example, Mia Kafila, I have issues with her because she became this massive, massive porn star. She talks about how she only made 12 grand in porn. I don't know if she made that only, you know, doing scenes plus camming, or she just did that with only scenes. But she says that um, she's, I think the other day she uh, said something along the lines of, and I'll pull up the exact quote, doing porn wasn't a conscious decision. I woke up one day and decided it would be fun. It was systematic conditioning that made me feel like I wasn't worthy unless a man desired me and ultimately pushed me to do it. Well, there's two issues with that. Number one, those kinds of confessions infantilize women. It makes it look like we can't be trusted to make decisions for ourselves because there's like all the women who are top performers in porn are like, no, I want to do this. I, I literally want to get fucked. Right. And I guess I make money doing so. Um, but also it's the fact that it's like, okay, every time she opens her mouth and talks about the porn community and industry, she says only great things about a lot of the people she's interacted with. Well, it's just how society has treated her, you know, as Mia Khalifa, you know, like the porn star. And she's, and I don't blame her for being sick of that, but she blames porn and not society. And that's a problem because <laughs> it's society has a problem with porn. Porn doesn't have a problem with society. Yeah. Um, 
and this is again another thing that we're struggling and trying to uh, fix with our podcast, which is, hey, these are people. They're just doing a day job, like waitressing, except there's dicks involved. What? Literal dicks. Literal dicks. <laughs> um, talk more about sort of like the struggles that both the porn industry and the sex industry as a whole kind of has in this sort of society in this day and age. Can you elaborate? Um, is there anything else that we haven't even talked about that's any obstacles that both the, you know, the sex and the porn industry just, you know, still has to overcome? I mean, there's a lot where do you, we, we could spend like a year on this. <laughs> but is, okay, is there anything specific that just comes to your mind that, that you like to address? Um, yeah, I mean, the thing that comes to mind mostly for me is just, like, it's hard to get hired after porn um, unless you're self-employed. Um, you know, when you were listening to the Terminator porn, you probably heard that, you know, we were interviewing a guy who, Dan O'Reilly, uh, who he runs a restaurant in Brooklyn now. And he didn't do porn himself, but he wrote porn. He shot it. He helped direct it. He helped produce porn and was yeah. funny porn, actually. Uh, some of it was fucking hysterical. Uh, we've reviewed some of it in the past, and I love it. But when he's tried, when he moved out to a completely different area and was applying for production jobs, he couldn't get anything. He wasn't doing any of the actual fucking. He was just, you know, doing the editing work. He was doing the sound work. He was doing whatever. It was just technical work. Hired. Yeah. It was just yeah. technical work. Yeah. You couldn't get hired unless until he started lying on his resume, and that's not okay. There's been this fight to, you know, in regards to the stigma of the porn and the sex industries for so long. You know, what do you feel needs to continue to happen to try to, you know, get rid of that stigma? People just need to embrace that people fuck and that <laughs> everyone watches it. That, that's what it comes down to. And just treat it as any other profession and job. That's it. I mean, that's how we can help a lot of things. Um, you know, one of the big fights right now is people say that, well, if you legalize uh, prostitution and escorting, which is different than, you know, being just a porn performer, um, if you legalize that, you're legalizing uh, uh, potentially people being sold off into human trafficking. And that's completely <laughs> no. It's I'm what? serious. That is the argument. Those are like no. Those don't no. Those don't. That's two different things. And <laughs> yet, I have met super lefties and super righties who actually agree on that. And it's really frustrating because that's how Sesta Fosta came to be. Um, that's which has really shut down a fuck ton of conversation and censorship on the internet in addition to actually making the jobs harder and more dangerous for legal escorts. Yeah. Talk um, more about that. Uh, cause I've, I've seen that, that, uh, legislation going around. Yeah. So, um, we definitely covered more in some of our earlier episodes. Um, <clears throat> but essentially what SESTA FOSTA basically is, is that, um, it was created uh, to eradicate, you know, those Craigslist sections where men seeking women. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just you go on it and it's just a bunch of penises because people just want to get blown in cars for 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, so 
it really took down websites like Backpage.com, where if you think about it from the perspective of a sex worker, if, say, you are someone who, you know, maybe does escorting on the side and your friends do escorting, you know, isn't it safer if someone says, hey, by the way, if this username or this person or IP address contacts you, just ignore that they're not a good person. You yeah. know, I don't, you know, I did feel safe. Great. It got rid of all of that. Wow. Yeah. So essentially what it does is it makes the um, the domain resp- uh, the the website responsible for the content the users post. And when I say that, it's written in the broadest of terms. So think of it this way. What are some websites that, you know, user have user generated content? Well, Facebook, Wikipedia, Reddit, tons of websites like that. So Google. So when you think of it from that perspective, Think about policing all of that. What it essentially does is, if you think of it like a road, you're making the road responsible for the cars that get into accidents on the road, instead of making the cars responsible, or the people inside the cars responsible for the accidents, uh, and the users who are posting the content responsible, you're holding the responsibility uh, onto onto the bigger platform. Now, some people don't see that as a big thing, but think of it this way. There's a huge amount of legal costs associated with it. If you're a website, you're not going to take any chances and risks, and you're going to just censor left, right stuff that's like, you know what, this looks murky, or, you know, maybe this shouldn't be censored, but I'm going to censor it regardless, you know, shoot first, ask questions later, right. because you don't want to take the legal risk. Yeah, when it so comes that- to sex work and porn stuff like that, like, a lot of those people like, oh, we can just get rid of that. I don't care. Well, then people will people don't will say, okay, well, maybe that's fine. But then, what about LGBTQ voices on YouTube? Because exactly. they it, exactly, and they get censored all the time because they will say certain words that you know. Because essentially, you can't have you could have humans involved to an extent, but a lot of this has to be done via algorithms and algorithms work on keywords. And yeah. based on keywords, they're going to pull demonetize shadow ban content. So it's really frustrating for me whenever I hear the narrative of like conservatives getting censored because I'm a lib and I write and me and my writers get censored all the fucking time uh, because there's keywords that, you know, will say, uh, and all of a sudden our content is pulled or re- be- we're being reviewed on Snopes, which we're fine with, by the way, because we know that a segment of the population for some reason thinks there's an attachment for an AK-47 to, sell- to cause self-abortions. That's not my fault. <laughs> if you think that's true. <laughs> what the fuck? Exactly, okay? Oh, shoot. <laughs> so... I don't know how that happened, but... (laughs) Okay, but the point is that now there's all these, uh, you know, unfortunately because of SESTA-FOSTA, it's made it so much more unsafe for people who are trying to do sex work. It kind of drives it more underground back to the hands of the pimps, which we kind of want to get rid of. Yeah. uh, As opposed to, you know, separating, okay, here's illegal stuff versus... Here's the really illegal shit, which should not, you know, the Jeffrey Epstein shit, which no one should be okay with. Right. Now, and with, a, and with legislation like that, yeah, it does get rid of content that is educational, you know, mm-hmm. from that where people are just talking about sexuality in a positive way. They're just trying to, 
you know, give out some information. But at the same time, it's not shocking, you know, that this is happening from, you know, the people who make the laws. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. People don't understand the wide sweeping consequences of certain things. I mean, no one is no one is going to, you know, be a willful antagonist. Everybody thinks they're the protagonist of their own story. That's the best way I like to see it. Everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. You know, even people who you're like, that person's really fucked up. It's like, well, David Duke, for some reason, he thinks he's doing the right thing. Oh, I don't course. agree, <laughs> but he does think that. Yes. You know, Richard Spencer, crazy person. He thinks he's doing the right thing. I don't agree with it, right. but it's... That's the thing when it comes to this type of legislation. That's why we need to discuss it more often. And that's why we bring it up on our show. That's why we bring these performers onto our show. Because it shouldn't be stigmatized, any of this. And if we could talk about it, then we could actually talk about actual solutions. During the course of doing this podcast of yours, you know, has there been any instances where you feel like the things that you've talking about have uh, resulted in something positive. Have you got any feedback from anybody saying something changed to them or helped them out? Or has there been any like specific positive experiences? Um, I mean, if I've changed your life, let me know. Info at twogirlsandmike.com. <laughs> um, but honestly, we've had so much great feedback from uh, our listeners saying that they really enjoy it. They're learning new things. Um, you know, we've heard certain stories from certain people that I won't repeat on the show just because they're personal. Um, but I haven't heard anything life-changing, but hey, I mean, Never there's know. always today, you know, and what, there's always tomorrow. Always tomorrow. And what I love about the podcast too, is that when you have guests on, I feel like they're very comfortable talking with you and Yvette, you know, what was sort of, how important is that to... Also, be humorous, but also have your guests, you know, feel comfortable on the show. I think it's super important. Um, there have been a handful of instances where someone didn't feel comfortable. And, I mean, in the, like, it was maybe one or two times. And I know one of those, one of those episodes never made it out. Uh, and the other one was highly edited. Uh, <laughs> but... But other than that, I mean, I think that we just have such a great flow between us because we are besties that, you know, we can be comfortable with ourselves and we can talk to these people like they're normal people. We're not gawking at them like, oh, like you are this amazing zoo animal. You're not. You're a person who fucks and you make money. And I sell crayons and make money. We all have our shtick. <laughs> so this is nothing new. Yeah, I love the I love the back and forth that you and Yvette have. Yeah, it does sound like you guys are really, really best friends. Like, and that's what makes the show so so funny to listen to. Yeah, I mean, we just we're comfortable with ourselves, and we want our audience to have a good time. You know what? You know, where do you hope like this podcast goes to? You know, do you have any goals from now on? Yeah, I mean, Joe Rogan, if he could have us on, that would be great. I know he had Yvette on at one point. So if you could have both of us on, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say yes, 
20 times over. So I just want to be on the top of iTunes all the time. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Offensive Crayon some more. You know, what was sort of the idea behind that? I know you... Uh... You know, you've uh, gone viral a few times because of it. You know, Amazon won't sell, you know, pulled them off from the thing. Sort of, you know, talk about the idea behind it and some of the experiences with selling these crayons. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> so it was when I say, okay, so no one believes me when I say I started as a joke. And maybe I just need a better story, origin story for the crayons. I guess all your, I guess all your origin stories were started as a joke, so... My life is a joke. <laughs> Maybe you got conceived as a joke. I don't know. Maybe your parents had a joke and then you got conceived as a joke. That would not be surprising <laughs> in the least bit. Let's be honest. Um, hey, honey, let's go fuck eh, or something. I don't know what, what the joke would be, but like. <laughs> oh, my God. There was some sort of comedy going on when you got conceived. This is from the two most humorless people in the world. Um, <laughs> You're like, how did that happen? <laughs> Jesus. Um, but um, so I started off as a Kickstarter and within two days it went viral. Like I was getting calls from the Daily Mail Inquisitor and a number of places and it kind of blew my mind originally. I was like, Really? How has no one done this before? And I wanted to, you know, kind of create a product from start, you know, from beginning to end. And I kind of love what it's really become. Because what it, the crayons, I mean, yeah, they're fucked up and funny. I mean, you know, we have colors like miscarriage maroon and boner pill blue and white is privilege. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what I love is what it's become as a statement piece because Look, at the end of the day, I feel that comedy, I mean, and this is how I feel about it. Nothing, number one, should be off limits when it comes to comedy. You know, you should be able to take a joke like you could take a dick. Well, um, <laughs> and that goes for everybody. Right. Um, <laughs> but my point is with the crayons is that nothing should be off off limits when it comes to humor. That's my number one thing. But number two, what I've really learned doing this for the last two years is also the nuance of comedy. And, you know, you hear the terms punching up, punching down when it comes to comedy. Yeah. Um, and there is something to it. And people will say, well, don't punch down, you know, don't, um, don't punch down and make jokes at the expense of others. Well, I think it just depends on how you craft the joke, because in my opinion, like, you could craft a shitty joke, which punches down at someone, but what's the point that you're trying to make? And I think, for me, that's what I care about more. Yeah. Um, like, that's why I get so frustrated when people will say, oh, what about period red? <laughs> why would you just make, like, the black crayon the N-word? I'm like, why? Just fucking why? <laughs> um, so. Yeah, there's no it, thought behind any of that. There's no thought, there's no nuance, there's no message. I mean, if I'm going to create a, you know, if I'm going to, you know, craft a crayon that says LGBTQ LMNOP, it's because I'm discussing, well, we keep adding a letter to it. So, you know, the, the humor in that, right. you know, I'm not punching at 
you know, the gay community, you know, I'm punching at the concept. I'm punching at, you know, if I were to make a joke about poverty, there's a difference between making a joke about, you know, a certain, um, certain people uh, not having enough food versus making fun of poverty in general as just a shitty concept. Um, and that's where joke writing is hard. And that's oh, yeah. why most people can't do it. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah, everybody tries to be a comedian on, on the internet, but no one's good at it. It's so true. And I'll be frank. I mean, I actually don't even call myself a comedian. The closest I'll get is I call myself like maybe a satirist or a humorist because I look at comedians as like, hey, okay, you can do stand up. Great. I can't. Right. <laughs> and I know I can't. Um, and it's a skill set and I haven't developed that skill set. So I don't feel comfortable embracing a term where I feel like I definitely haven't earned it. And for me, I feel like when it comes to certain other things, where it comes to punching up maybe some jokes or coming up with stupid stunts or, I mean, creating certain content, which I know people will, you know, just really have fun and enjoy and you know be kind of fucked up I think it's fun I think it's funny um but I think I haven't earned certain titles and I think again when it comes to just comedy as a whole it's not easy the ones who do it well I mean just just like I feel like porn people should absolutely support comedians and you know pay the writers better and um you know when it comes to it's it's kind of also like I look at my comedian friends. And I'm like I have no idea how you could do this full time because it's just it's it's almost like porn where you're gig hopping constantly, and but it's worse. So being a comedian is worse than being a porn star because after you fuck you get a check. After, you know after you write a joke you might just get fucked as a comedian. Oh yeah. Plus you gotta like. You're always thinking about things and in different angles, and you have to be uh, educated about what's going on in the world and and what's like a long term thing, what's what's topical to right now. So there's a lot of things that you know comedians have to like really be super aware of, and that's why a lot of times I feel like the best comedians have always been also people to look to towards you know how you should be going about the world. You know, how you should be thinking about the world. What things you should be thinking about, you know? Oh, man. I thought you were going to go a different route. I thought you were going to say, oh, yeah, that's why most comedians, especially all the best ones, are just depressed and suicidal. That, too, I guess. <laughs> well, that's how we cope. Right. I mean, I guess it's, you know, you you have a dynamic like that, you know? That's the dichotomy of, uh, of a comedian. Yeah, you're uh, depressed and suicidal. It's because you know all you know about all this shit going on in the world. Ignorance is truly bliss, or else you're just making jokes about ignorance and bliss. And yeah, so <laughs> talk more about the uh, the contest that you have uh, right now for offensive crayons in regards to naming uh, a crayon. So when is this episode airing? Uh, um, I can do it whenever. I can do it tomorrow. I can do it whatever. When, when's it? When's it going through? Oh, because uh, so the so the contest ends September first, uh, and it's 
a, it's a naming contest. And what can I say? Maybe I'm a masochist because <laughs> I talk about how people can't write jokes. And yet I'm saying, okay, submit to me a color name. <laughs> And I will read it, and I will choose one from the thousands of submissions I've already gotten. Uh, and, you know, use that in the porn pack, and someone will win 500 bucks. Sweet. Yeah, I, um, I submitted about five ideas yesterday. Uh, so I hope they're not too bad. I hope, I hope there's some respect in mine. You know? I haven't gone through them yet. So, and the thing should I be concerned? No, I think I think mine were uh, I think mine were very uh, clever. I guess I hate using the word clever, but I think they were clever. Um, but yeah, I, I was like just at my day job, you know, thinking about it and uh, doing some research about certain colors, you know, and what's associated to those colors, and then trying to find a sex angle with it and. Um, We'll see, you know, we'll see. But yeah, that, even that's hard, man. That's hard to think of names. Like, no, I got tired like a half hour into it. I'm like, dude, my brain is, my brain is much. So like, kudos on you, like, like naming all these ones already. Like, it's that, that shit is hard. Like, how how does it? What, what what is your process with naming it, and how does it feel when you're trying to name these things? Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, you're right. The process is hard when you actually – that's why I love almost giving people this challenge because when you actually try doing it, it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, so my process is I've, I've actually come up with about seven rules on how to create a color name. So at this point, you know, I'm kind of doing like stuff when it comes to themes with the packs. I might just do like another offensive crayon pack, just a general one. But the first rule is, does it offend anyone or make a point? You know, again, I'm not just going to say the N word because it offends people. It doesn't make any point. It doesn't help anyone. Throw it out. Right. Um, is there a joke or at least an alliteration to make it sound fun? So, like, I have Auschwitz Ash and Boner Pill Blue. <laughs> that was a good one. I, I know what I said. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what were what were some but, of the what were some of like the like specific I guess like negative feedback you've gotten in regards to anything? Is there any good stories behind the negative feedback you've gotten? Um, really rarely. I mean, the most negative thing that's happened to me is Amazon has banned me. Um, and this happened January of 2018, where what happened was uh, Amazon, uh, by the way, I thought January 2018 that I had sold like my last few packs of crayons, or I was down to like only less than 200. And they pulled me off of Amazon for review. I didn't think anything of it. And then what ends up happening is my shit goes viral on Reddit uh, and then on Instagram and Facebook. And the next thing I know is I'm deciding to take pre-orders because I'm, I thought, all right, let's see how much demand there is for this. Uh, within about two weeks, I had, I had amassed enough money to basically like be equivalent to my day job. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, so I'm back in the crayon business. But here's a kicker. So my crayons were just, I was collecting pre-orders off my like shitty little Wix store at the time. Um, and what 
I, people were trying to do was buy it off Amazon and I could, I couldn't sell it to them. Uh, and I had like these 200 units even in limbo. And what ends up happening is after about two months, Amazon gets back to me and says that they had specific statements, which, um, I had specific statements that offended children and Caucasians. Ooh, oh, fan offended Caucasians. The most sensitive of groups. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, fucking white privilege and white fragility. <laughs> if there was ever white fragility, it's, I need to speak to a manager of Amazon. Bezos. There's um, these crayons that offend me. Crayons? Yeah, crayons. Look at these things. I've had people who, when they were up, said they bought them and they were like, well, they're not funny. They're just offensive. Like, um, the did name? you not read the fucking box? <laughs> so these were people that actually bought them and, yeah. then, and then complained to Amazon that they were offensive to, like, white people? Yeah. Well, just in general that they were offensive, yeah. Um, I, and then... Amazon just pulled me. They eventually pulled my holiday and political edition. Uh, so It's times like this when I, I hate being a white person because you're like, I don't associate with that type of shit. <laughs> <laughs> no. I just, I, I weep for humanity. It's not just white people. Like, you know what? I've met shitty people of every race and nationality and origin. I don't care. Just people are crap. Um Look, I don't know. I can't judge if Karen was bi or not when she made a complaint. But the point is, it's still a Karen. I don't care if it was a fucking Dave, but the point is, they acted like a Karen, and therefore we're using that term. Um, a Karen, yes. But, uh, yeah, at this point, uh, I'm actually really excited because I just launched a partnership with um, a new toy distribution company. And we're ramping up production for the holidays, and I'm now doing this as a full-time job, which is so weird to say, because I was doing software sales for like 10 years. Okay. Yeah, that's what I did with my degree. I went with physics and marketing to software sales, and now I'm selling crayons for the last two years. And uh, how, did, how did that career, though, in software sales help you with doing this, if anything? Nothing at nothing. all. I don't know. I guess maybe you could be good at, you know, you seem like someone who could be good at selling things, you know, like, I don't know. Maybe. I was the best. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. I so, toot my own horn, but. Okay, so right there. You were like the best in software sales. So like, you know, that could be transferable over to this, you know, and, you know, listening to the podcast and everything. I'm like, yo, I want to, you know, buy some crayons. <laughs> well, anyone who does, uh offensivecrayons.com that's where uh you know people could get their crayons uh we're coming at we have a couple shirts and mugs we have a digital uh, coloring book but we're actually working on the next thing is we're doing the porn sex pack and we're coming out with a physical coloring book so and it's called happy little dictators oh fan yeah uh -huh. I, I, I can <laughs> i can only imagine what that's gonna be like yeah <laughs> gonna, just gonna have a Hitler just peacefully painting in the style and dress of Bob Ross. All this stuff, you know, is there specific places, like types of businesses and whatnot that you want it to be placed in? 
Uh, anywhere. Uh, honestly, I see, you know, adult coloring books in places like Barnes and Noble. Uh, I see tons of stuff like this all over in big box stores. I mean, Cards Against Humanity kind of paved the way for offensive and off-color humor. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be honest, I, I look at those guys and I'm like, I want to do what they're doing just all the time. And by the way, coming up with the stunts that they do, not fucking easy. Right, right. Like, they had the idea of buying part of the wall where Trump was going to build. Had the idea of buying an island. They had the idea of like they they bought like um not they didn't buy but they um they dug a hole with like one of those massive machines that digs holes in the ground mm-hmm. and they were like we're gonna just keep digging as long as you guys give us money. Their <laughs> Black Friday sale was they raised the price of all their products by five bucks. <laughs> They're geniuses. They're honestly, I mean, I I want to emulate what they do, but sometimes I wonder, like the stunts I come up with, they're so fucked up sometimes, and I'm like, is this yeah. gonna get me canceled? <laughs> but I want to do this. Wait, hold on. <laughs> oh boy, boy, boy. Yeah, I can only imagine what's going on in your head, head of yours. You know. Oh my god. And, and the thing is, like, adult coloring books, I feel like there's been a boom in that sort of idea the past few years. Um, I, I know a few people that, you know, it's done that in, like, the uh, LGBTQ community and and had some success for it, you know. And the, when I when I talked to – and I actually just bought a few, like, uh, coloring books from a, um, a friend of mine who's a comic book artist and a writer here in Michigan. And um, she was telling me, she's like, yeah, like – these coloring books are like coloring and everything is like really like relaxing to do. It's a really fun and relaxing thing to do. It's not just yeah. for kids. No, I mean, there's a huge boom. Um, what's really nice is I'm excited because the quality is only going to get better from here on out. Um, the next batch of crayons, we're switching eventually to a manufacturing facility that actually uh, Crayola used to use. Okay. And I want to actually dive more into the, you know, coloring book community uh, and actually create, you know, markers and color and pencils and things like that. You know, everyone needs some offensals. Right. Given, given your education and background, like does, do you, uh, how does that sort of help you with, I guess, maybe the technical uh, aspects of the crayons, I guess, like the, the scientific part of it, you know, researching, you know, what, how they should be manufactured. You know, it doesn't help too much. I think for me, it's, I'm the type of person where if I want to learn how to do something, even if I don't know how to do something there, I know there's going to be a video, there's going to be a way for me to figure it out or someone's already done it. Yes. And that's a great thing about the internet nowadays. You know, if you don't know how to do a podcast, if you don't know how to create something from scratch, someone's done it. Yeah. Um, at one point I thought about making action figures years ago and I did all the homework, all the research. I watched all the YouTube videos. I contacted the right people. Um, figured out the molding, you know, the 3D design. And eventually I started getting someplace and then the entire project died. But the point is you can honestly do whatever you want and create anything you want nowadays because there's so much information. And I kind of fucking love the internet because of that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Before we get out of here, that, I want to have a little fun right now. Um, oh, no. With this. 
Okay, I'm not saying it's for me, but if a solo guy, just a guy, wanted to make porn content but wanted to stand out, what is missing out there if a guy just wanted to do something by himself? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. uh, I don't know. Maybe something masked cosplay i don't know maybe i mean do what your heart desires that's what i'm gonna say if you're gonna create the content that you want i mean so one of our past guests on the show ryan kramer have you heard of him no no what okay so first off that's his real name best porn name ever right ryan kramer yeah that's his real name yeah he was destined to do porn oh yeah so he creates wholesome porn. Oh, wait a minute. No, I did see that. Yeah, he was the one that was like opening your door. He was like opening uh-huh. the door for women and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That- so he's a writer for College Humor. And he was, by the way, we reviewed a SpongeBob porn with him. So I thoroughly traumatized him. Um, <laughs> but earlier episode, look into it. Um, but he's such a sweet guy. And he creates wholesome porn where it's like, I wash the dishes for you after you've had a long, hard day. I listen to your, I hold my ebony girlfriend's hands as I listen to her day. Yeah. I, uh, I tuck you in after, yeah. After you come, I deliver you a pizza and don't put my dick in it. All these wonderful videos. Uh, and they're for someone. And you know what? Someone is getting off to them. Mostly people are laughing, but someone's probably getting off to them. Right. There's, yeah, somebody's getting off to everything, not, not even porn, so it doesn't even have to be porn. So somebody gets off to everything that, that they can see, or not even see, sometimes even just hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ASMR. AS, ASMR porn. <laughs> <laughs> off the top of your head, what are some, if somebody want? This is probably the weirdest thing. If somebody wanted to check out a few of the classic good porn movies that exist, like that you've actually enjoyed, what comes off the top of your head? Oh, man. Off the top of my head, I'm going to definitely say The Big Lebowski Triple X. Watch it for the cinematography. I'm not even joking. Uh, Fap to the Future. If you love puns and you love Back to the Future as much as I do, oh, my God, that was such a good one. Um, let's see what else. The Cheers porn parody that we watched recently with London River. I mean, if you're into classic Cheers, I mean, <laughs> look, it doesn't have uh, Ted Danson in it, who is a snack. But <laughs> I listened to that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it was the writing was so good. It could have stood alone as a sitcom. Um, let's see, what else would I recommend? Uh, Horat, I would recommend, uh, basically the porn version of Borat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would definitely watch, um, let's see, what else would I watch? Um, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Balls was a kind of a fun gay porn that we reviewed. <laughs> Again, all of the puns, all of the puns. <laughs> oh, and, and, uh, the person who played Hagrid... So uh, it was played by a drag queen, and she called herself Thug Hagrid. <laughs> so watch it for that alone. Nice, nice. And I always like to like uh, ask this question 
of, of people in my interviews is like, what, you know, throughout your life and career, like what sort of a nugget of knowledge that you've learned that anybody listening to this, doesn't matter if they're in the porn industry or anything else, could sort of project into their own life? Uh, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Um, honestly, just do it. Whatever the, it is, just do it. Um, I know that sounds so generic. I know that sounds so cliche almost, but it's so true. So true. Every morning I wake up and I figure out what do I need to get done today. And I make a list and I check things off. Um, if I've done a task and I don't have a list, I just start making one. It's like, okay, I just did X, Y, Z. And what's really nice about that is then I can look back on the tasks I did accomplish for the day. I'm like, okay, I had a productive day, even though I may not have felt like it. Yeah. Uh, and it's great because that way I'm always constantly creating and working on something. And it doesn't feel like I'm just sitting at home, not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely had those days where I'm like, I didn't feel like I was productive, but if I actually look back at what I did, I was actually productive. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't get that sort of satisfaction, sort of jolt of, I don't know, energy in your, that you feel, but you actually did have a good day. Exactly. Yep. And I always like to end my interviews with the same question. And that question is, who is somebody that you would recommend that I interview for this podcast, Fresh is the Word, that would have some good stories or lessons to talk about? It can be one person or multiple people. Um, I mean, just listen. I would say listen to our show and anyone you really like, just pull from there because we've had just awesome guests on. Um, I can't think of a bad person to interview and everyone has their own story and thing to bring to the table. Yeah. So anyone from, you know, if you want to, talk foot fetishes with Becky Berardi. She's awesome. Um, we just had on a masturbation coach because that's an actual thing. Yeah. Uh, we had, um, we had, um, Steve Gadlin from shark tank. I don't know if you ever watched the episode with, I will draw a cat for you where Mark Cuban invested in a guy who just draws random cat drawings. <laughs> and we had that guy on to review Pee Wee Herman porn and it was just such a fucking good time. Um, like everybody has their own shtick. Um, I would just say, uh, listen to my show and whoever you like, just bring them on because they're all going to be good people. <laughs> awesome. It was so much fun talking with you, you know, throwing out some dick jokes every once in a while. Uh, and you've already... Whether or not unintentionally. No, yeah. And that's what I love about you. You're, you're definitely, that's, uh, that's what she said, sort of woman. It's my life. So go it's ahead and... It's going on my tombstone. It's going to be on your tombstone. That's what she said. <laughs> so, uh, you know, go ahead and, uh, you know, tell people where you, they can find you online and go ahead and plug your stuff again. Yeah. So you guys can, so first off can find me alone on Twitter at rational blonde, but check out my show, uh, two girls, one Mike. Uh, you could go to two girls, one Mike.com type it into iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you get your podcast stitcher. Uh, we're literally everywhere. Google play, uh, and we are Two Girls, One Mike, the porn cast. And I say that because there are so many other Two Girls, One Mikes that have popped up since. And spell it out, Two Girls, One Mike, just because um, – and we are the ones with the avatar of the white background and the um, the pink bra hanging off the microphone. Uh, 
just because we came up with the name first and people wanted to copy us. So there's like a German one, I think now. Uh, and there's and a lot of like two girls something. Yeah. Also, it, like two really girls, annoying. one something, you know, out there. There's a lot of that. Um, and you guys can pick up my crayons at offensivecrayons.com. Cool. It was great to talk with you. This was such a fun interview. Yeah, it was great talking to you too, Kelly. So that was my interview with Alice Vaughn, co-host of the comedy podcast Two Girls, One Mike, and the infamous creator of Offensive Crayons. More information to where you can follow Alice online and check out Two Girls, One Mike, or Offensive Crayons will be in the show notes for this episode at freshisthepodcast.com. So before we get out of here, I definitely want to remind you that Fresh is the Word is streaming on all the platforms now. So pick wherever you uh, want to go. It's even on iHeartRadio, but it's been a little glitchy. <laughs> um, you can also support the podcast by going on Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh is the word. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can help, help a brother out. You can support Fresh the Word. And for the $3 a month tier, you can get access to the Patreon-only podcast episodes where I dig deep into the audio archives of interviews that I've done outside of Fresh the Word for the past decade or so. And I clean them up a little bit, and I present, present them to you. They're pretty much all music-related, and I have a lot of great ones up already. So go to uh, patreon.com slash fresh the word and sign up for, you know, either of those uh, tiers. And there's a couple other higher tiers to where you can actually be a part of the podcast. So, you know, once again, go to patreon.com slash fresh the word. I'm sorry that uh, August has been a little, you know, light on the, on the content on the podcast, but it's been a busy month. Um, had some kick-ass weeks, like the weekends ruled, you know? One weekend I was in Toronto for a WWE SummerSlam weekend, and I got to do a meet-and-greet with a couple of my favorites, Asuka and Kyrie Sane. And then earlier that day at an uh, indie wrestling event called The Summit, which was like four indie organizations kind of coming together um, to put on an all-woman's uh, event, I got to meet my favorite wrestler of all time in Bull Nakano, and I had her sign an old uh, poster with one, you know, one of her old uh, heel factions from like the '80s, and she was super surprised that I had that. So that was like just an amazing day, and I always love going to Toronto. And then I went to the Michigan uh, comic comic convention. Little, you know, the attendance was little light. But I got to meet a lot of cool people in Artist Alley. And hopefully, um, I'm going to get some of them on the podcast. There was like so many cool people that I met. Had a lot of great inf- a lot of great conversations. There's so much talent, like even just in Michigan or in the Midwest, when it comes to comic, comic artists, stuff like that. And then uh, this past weekend, I you know, went to my buddy Matt Finney's wedding at uh, the Shinola Hotel in downtown Detroit, and it was beautiful, it was fun, it was hip-hop as fuck. Um, It was just a beautiful wedding, it was exactly what I needed. And then uh, the next night on Sunday, I saw one of my favorite metalcore bands, North Lane, from Australia, at uh, the shelter at St. Andrew's Hall in Detroit. Um, I actually got to interview 
Josh Smith, the guitarist again. Um, and that will be on an upcoming podcast, probably the next one. And dude, I got to just say, the Japanese metalcore band, Crystal Lake, is freaking amazing, man. They are opening up on the tour, and they are incredible. So that's been my, uh, that's been my month pretty much the uh, past couple of weeks. So I've been really busy, and uh, but I'm going to have a lot of cool guests coming up. i got a lot of cool things in the works. So, you know, definitely, you know, thank you for all everybody listening to this right now. And if you really want to, uh, you know, do some stuff online and, uh, you know, be a part of a group, I did start a uh, Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fresh is the word. And click there to uh, join us. And well, and I always po- I post more. I'm, I post a lot of good stuff on there, in regard in, instead of my my normal personal page. So um, yeah, just go uh, just go to uh, Facebook.com/groups/fresh is the word. Uh, click on join, and I ask one question. That question is who is somebody you would suggest to be on the podcast. You don't have to answer it. You can answer it. But uh, a lot of good stuff that I post in there. And also, I'm going to start doing some written content on freshofthepodcast.com. In regard, like, I'm going to do, I'm starting to do these mini reviews. I was doing a lot of those as just, like, Facebook posts or Twitter posts. And I decided, I'm like, all right, I'll just turn a lot of those into, like, actual website content. And, you know, beef them up a little bit. Just, they're all going to be mini reviews, nothing extensive, but just getting my point across about, you know, either an album that I like or a comic book that I like or something that I like. It really doesn't matter. So, uh, you know, be on the look. Go to uh, Fresh of the, um, go to Fresh of the com and, you know, check out the few mini reviews that I have up there now. So uh, that's enough of me rambling on. Uh, thank you for listening to this uh, episode. Thank you for listening to any of my episodes. And just remember, go out there and live life with intensity with a capital 10. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.